Well, it is good to be back with you again after being gone for a few weeks. I, um, I will be having this friend with me for another three weeks following my hip surgery. So um, you, just, you get to have me sitting down to preach this morning. I, was, um, I did George's funeral yesterday and I decided to stand up for it and I realized that was a bad idea. So, um, so you get me sitting down. It's going to drive me crazy not to be walking around, but uh, I guess good enough is good enough uh, for this. You know, I, I've learned in my life that there's a lot of places where good enough is good enough, right? A lot of places where I don't put in the full effort. I don't do things exactly the way I probably should, right? When, when I clean my garage, good enough is good enough. If I can fit my car in, if I can find everything I need to find, good enough. Now, I know there's other people who would prefer me to go a lot further in cleaning the garage, but you know what? Good enough is good enough. When, I, um, when I'm in charge of making dinner, frozen pizza is good enough. Okay, you aren't getting a side vegetable. You aren't getting much of any. Good enough is good enough. You got fed, right? I can remember um, back probably about 10 years ago, uh, the Saturday before Easter is the day when, when here that afternoon all of the Easter flowers that, that cover the stage here get delivered. And the people who usually take care of that were gone. So I got to do the Easter flowers that week, that year. And so I met the guy and I arranged them all up on this stage beautifully. And it looked great. And I came back Sunday morning and somebody came and made them look much better than what I did. Um, Good enough wasn't quite good enough for that. Which is just fine by me. Thank you to whoever did that. I appreciate that greatly. There's a lot of places in life, you probably thought of some on your own, where, where good enough is simply good enough. And there's also areas in our life where we need somebody to remind us that good enough just is not good enough. That we simply can't be satisfied and content with the way that things are. And that's really what this sermon series, this three-week sermon series that we're in the middle of is all about. It's about pursuing kingdom relationships, right? Because these relationships in our life, when we say, you know what, good enough... God's saying, no, not quite good enough. And so we looked at that last week, and I know I was challenged because it's so easy in our relationships with the people in the world around us, people who don't know God, people who aren't part of a church, and they seem to be just fine. They're good neighbors and they're good friends, and we say, that's good enough, I'll be a good neighbor. That's good enough, I'll be a good friend. And God's saying, no. And so we put those orange dots up here saying, here's somebody that... I'll be praying for. Here's somebody that God is encouraging me to tell a story of his goodness to. Because good enough isn't quite good enough. Right? Next Sunday we're going to look at our relationship with God. And it's so easy to say, yep, I'm saved. Yep, I know God. Good enough. And we're going to be challenged to say, no, maybe there's more. Maybe there's more to be had in our relationship with God. And this morning we look at our relationships with each other. Within the family of God, are we truly pursuing kingdom relationships? How are we treating each other? Is good enough good enough? And when it comes to to how we treat each other in the family of God, we're going to hear God say today that good enough isn't quite good enough. Because if you think about it, as human beings, we really aren't all that good to each other. Right? I just finished reading Gary Haugen's book. Some of you may have read it, entitled The Locust Effect. And he studies internationally, he studied countries where there is an ineffective justice system. Okay, so there aren't good police and there isn't a good court system. So really, law and order is, is not present. 
So when people are really set free to treat each other as they wish, to do to each other what they, whatever they want to do, how do we treat each other? What happens? Well, he found that in those kinds of communities, women and girls are regularly raped and forced into the sex trade. In those kinds of communities, we're free to treat each other as we wish. The poor are forced into slave labor, and the rich keep getting richer on the backs of slave labor or the poor. In those kinds of communities, homes and property are stolen without any repercussions. Men are imprisoned for years under false accusations. Right? We treat each other poorly when we're given the chance. And we may not be that radical because we live in a society where there is law, where there is justice. But we still don't always treat each other all that well, do we? You don't have to look very far. We, we divide each other into camps. And then we point and yell at each other, right? Democrat, Republican, let's point and yell at each other. Divide up and point. Do black lives matter or do blue lives matter? Can't be both, right? And so we pick a side and point and yell at each other. We divide by social status, the rich and the poor, and we stay away from each other. We divide by race. We, we divide by gender. We don't always treat each other all that well. And, and when we decide not to do anything about those divisions, you know what we're really saying? We're saying, good enough. These broken relationships that I'm living with, good enough for me. Good enough is good enough. And tragically, often that kind of perspective, that kind of attitude comes into the church as well in how we treat each other within the family of God. The brokenness of our relationships here may not be as, as blatant and obvious, but they're still subtly here and often not so subtle, right? Within this community, we, we gossip about each other. We talk about each other behind their backs. In this community, we harder, harbor bitterness and anger against somebody who maybe offended me or hurt me or, or thinks differently than me. In this community, we, we bicker and we fight over secondary things. We, we communicate either deliberately or, or unintentionally to some people that, hey, you're not really welcome here. Hey, you really don't belong. And as long as we're okay with that, we're saying good enough is good enough. But this morning you're going to hear God say that good enough isn't good enough for those relationships here in this community. That message comes out crystal clear in Colossians chapter 3. Take out your Bibles if you haven't, don't have them out already. Colossians chapter 3, and you want to keep them out because we're going to be reading this passage in different sections this morning. Page 955 in the Bibles you have in front of you, Colossians 3. Here in this chapter... The Apostle Paul lets us know that God has a higher standard of love and relationships for us to live according to in this community. Paul lets us know that good enough is no longer good enough. And this passage begins by reminding us of the transformation that God has done and is still doing within us. It starts by saying in verse 1, it starts with the words, since then you have been raised with Christ. Okay, it's, just stop there for a moment. In other words, he's saying, since you have Jesus in your heart, since God has saved you from who you were, sinful, apart from God, and has transformed you into someone saved by God, loved by him, 
since you have Jesus in your heart, since you've been forgiven and set free, this now is your life. This is the the change that happens. Read on, verses 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Now set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Okay, stop there for just a moment. He's saying, since God has saved you, now you live according to a different standard. You live according to another guideline. Good enough is no longer good enough anymore. God has a new set of expectations for you, for me, and for us together. And verses 5 through 11 describe what we have left behind now. Here's the way of life that we no longer choose to live. Listen to this. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And here's the list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. And comes another list. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ is all and is in all. So we start, pause there for again, again for a moment. So Paul says, God says through Paul, because you have been saved, because there's a higher standard we live with, there's a whole bunch of things that daily you and I put to death in our relationships with each other. These are things that our earthly nature, that the world around us, the culture around us says are okay. They, they declare that they're good enough. And God says, no, they're not. These are things that you must put to death. And he gives us a sampling of the things we are no longer satisfied with. He says, your actions are no longer shaped by sexual immorality or impurity or lust. In other words, he's saying, he's saying we no longer see people as things. We no longer see each other as property to be used for our advantage, to be used for our pleasure, to be used for our gain. That's what this whole list is, right? When we, when we demean people, they're simply there for our pleasure, for our use, whether that's looking at a computer screen or whether that's, that's using them for our, our financial benefit. We see people as less than human. And God says, not anymore. Not since Jesus lives in you. Not in this community. In this community, we see people for the masterpieces that they are. We see people for the individuals that they are who are loved by God, saved by Jesus, and we value them and we honor them. We treat every single person as a masterpiece of God and we respect them for that. That's the standard we live by now. And Paul goes on to say, that it isn't good enough to allow our relationships either to be tainted by evil desires and greed, right? 
That happens when we place ourselves on the top of the pecking order of life, right? When we begin to live as the world around us says we should, looking out for number one, looking out for whatever benefits us, looking out for for whatever brings us pleasure and joy, you are number one. Your your well-being, your happiness are the most important things. When we live that way, as the world around us does, then our actions begin to get shaped by greed, Paul says. We do what's ever good for us without even considering what hurt and damage we might be doing to others around us. So we throw away relationships, whether that's friendships, whether that's marriages. We throw them away when they don't suit us anymore. We throw them away when they don't make us happy anymore. And we don't have any thought of what is this going to do for generations of people to come. What are my children seeing when relationships mean so little to us? Or we, or we have conversations where we tear people down behind their backs maybe a gossip session, or, or, or we do that with fellow church members as a way of building ourselves up, right? We, if we can tear somebody else down, it makes me feel better about myself. Or in business, we look to squeeze every penny of profit out of our business so that we can live well, so that we can have the financial security we want. And we don't think about how we're treating others unfairly. We're treating them unjustly because it's all about me. In big ways and small, our relationships are broken down by our selfishness. And when we're living according to those earthly standards, Paul says, when we're okay with good enough being good enough, when we're falling short of the standard that God has set for us, then in verse 8 he says, we recognize that our lives will begin to be characterized by that second list. We'll see anger and rage and malice, and slander, filthy language, prejudice. We'll see it in our relationships. We'll begin to lash out at each other. We'll begin to tear each other down. We'll begin to insult each other and argue and fight with each other. In short, Paul says, when you live the way the world says it's okay to live with, when, when that seeps into this community... You just get plain mean to each other. And God says that's not good enough in this community. God says those things can't go on when we're living as Christ followers. That way of living with each other is no longer acceptable in any of our relationships, let alone within this community. There's a new standard for how we treat people in the body of Christ. God calls us as his people to be completely committed to the well-being of the people around us. That's what's natural. That's what's normal. For people who have Jesus alive in their hearts. In fact, Jesus himself calls out that standard to us in John chapter 15. You don't have to turn to that passage. I'll put a verse up on the screen in a moment. John chapter 15 is, is one of Jesus' final teachings to his disciples before he walks out that night and is arrested and is crucified. In the heart of his message to his disciples and his heart, the heart of his message to us in that chapter is 
is a call for us to live with each other according to God's new standard. He says this, he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And my command now is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. I mean, talk about a high standard. There it is. Jesus calls us, his family, to follow the family tradition that he has lived out in the family of God. And the family tradition is a tradition of self-sacrificial commitment to love each other. You look at the pattern Jesus gives here. It starts with the love that God has for his son Jesus. How much did God love Jesus? God loved him with all of his being and with all of his strength. He loved him as a father truly loves a son. And then Jesus says, in the same way that God loved me, I now love you. I love you with all of my being. I love you with all of my strength. And inside his mind, he must be thinking, I'm about to show it to you. I'm about to die for you. And then he looked at them and says, in the way that you see and experience me loving you is the same way that you now need to love each other. Follow in the family tradition if you're going to claim to be part of this family. And if we aren't following in that tradition, if we are not loving each other the way that God loves Jesus and Jesus loves us, then it's not good enough. Then we can't just be say, satisfied and say, good enough is good enough. This is what you get, God. We have a higher standard that we need to live by. Because Jesus wants us not to just tolerate each other in the family of God. He doesn't simply want us to be able to coexist for an hour a week every Sunday. He isn't satisfied with the church family that's learned how to put up with each other. He expects us to truly love each other. He expects us to go out of our way to care for each other, to serve each other, to encourage each other, to give ourselves away for each other. You know what that is? That's the normal Christian life. That's simply what it means to be a part of the family of God. When God takes us into his family, the standard gets raised. Paul shows us what that commitment looks like back, in, back to Colossians chapter 3. Verse 12 starts by saying, Therefore, Okay, we just, we've been transformed by God. We've put off this old life of sin. Therefore, if we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Now listen to these three verses. Clothe yourselves. We just put off. Now what do we put on? Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. So what does God expect from you? What does God expect from me? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, 
patience, forgiveness, and love. And if there is any community on this earth where people actually live out relationships filled with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and love and forgiveness and patience, it should be right here. It should be this community. It should be Ivanrest Church. This place should be a safe place to live and learn together as we challenge and encourage each other to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus. And so this morning, we need to hold this standard that Paul gives us, that God gives us. We need to hold this standard up and we need to honestly evaluate ourselves and we need to honestly evaluate our church community. Not by the world standard of how are we doing because that standard's way too low. We need to evaluate ourselves. We need to evaluate our family by God's standard, by God who sets a high bar. And so we're going to do that this morning. On your outline, I, I put a checklist for you, and I want you to do some evaluating. Hey, start, we need to ask ourselves if this community is a community that's characterized by compassion. We're going to go right through the list. Are we a, a community of compassion? Do we hurt with those who hurt? Do we rejoice with those who rejoice? Are we willing to walk alongside of people who are having difficult times? Are we willing to, to join them in their joys? Are we willing to encourage them in their sorrows? Are we that kind of community where people know that they belong, where people know that they're not alone through the challenges of life? Because that's the standard that God expects from his people. And so, and so mark it on your, on your outline. Is Ivan Rust Church that kind of community? Yes or no? We will only become that kind of community when each one of us as individuals are people of compassion. So the question also needs to be answered, is that the kind of person you are? Yes or no? Is compassion a standard that we're living with together and that we're living out individually? What about kindness? We need to ask ourselves if we're a community that's characterized by kindness. Would somebody looking at us say, Ivanrest Church is a place where people are kind? Because we need to be that kind of place. We need to be people who respect each other, who think the best of each other, who trust each other. And we need to go beyond just being polite with each other when we're together. And we need to take that next step and honor each other. That's what being kind really is. It's truly honoring each other. We may not always agree on everything, but I promise you that we won't always agree on everything. But we commit that we will, in the midst of our disagreements, be kind to each other. We won't gossip. We won't slander. We won't speak bitterly of each other. We won't let bitterness take root in our heart and grow until it's poisoned our souls against each other. Are we that kind of community? Yes or no? Are we those kinds of individuals? Are you that kind of individual? Yes or no? We need to ask ourselves if this community is one that's characterized by humility. Are we putting others' well-being above our own? Are we willing to do that? Boy, the world says that's crazy. Why would you ever put somebody else's well-being above your own? Well, God says that's the standard I'm holding you to. 
If our needs and our preferences and if our comfort is the most important thing to us here in this community, then we are a community filled with pride instead of humility. Because God's standard for us as a church is to give ourselves away for each other, to go the extra mile for each other in humble service. Is that us? Are we humble enough to give ourselves away for others? Yes or no? Is that you? Because again, we won't be that kind of community until we are those kinds of individuals. It starts with each one of us giving ourselves away for the cause of Christ to each other. Is that you? Yes or no? What about gentleness? Next on the list. Is this a gentle community? God calls us to be people who aren't out to tear others down, but who are out to gently build each other up. He expects us to handle each other as broken as we are, and we are all broken people. He expects us to handle each other gently, to use gentle encouragement instead of force, to use gentle conversation instead of harsh accusations, to live in peace with each other, Instead of looking for any offense that we might add to our list of reasons to be angry with each other and bitter. Does gentleness describe Ivan Rest? Yes or no? Does gentleness describe you? Yes or no? And that gentleness, Paul says, must then lead to both patience and forgiveness. I'll give you two at once. I think you can handle it. Leads to both patience and forgiveness. Because if you're searching for reasons to be offended by people here in this community, you'll be able to find them. If you're looking for, for reasons to be offended by your pastor, I'm sure I'll give you plenty of reasons, okay? They're there. We are a community of fallen sinners. That's who we are. We're striving our best to be to living in living as forgiven sinners, to be living in God's grace, but we're still sinners who fall short of God's perfection. So if you're looking ways for ways that this community has failed you and that I have failed you, you will find them. They're there. But God expects us through those failures to be a community of grace. And in that grace, we learn to patiently forgive each other's failures, to hold on to the bonds of this community. So instead of responding in anger, instead of responding in bitterness to every offense, we patiently give each other second chances and third chances and fourth chances. We sit down and we talk together. We, we embrace each other in the grace of God. Is that who we are? Yes or no? Is that who you are as an individual? Are you willing to forgive? Are you learning how to deal gently and patiently with each other? Yes or no? And finally, and I think most importantly, God expects this community to be characterized by love. It's the last one Paul gives us. Because anything less than that, anything less than true love for each other just isn't good enough. God isn't satisfied with us just getting along with each other or tolerating each other. He expects us to love each other the way that he loved us. With a self-sacrificial love. And so this answer might be the most important one of the morning. Does love describe Ivan Rest Church? 
does love describe this family? Do you have a love for this family, for these people? When it comes to this community, the family of God right here, good enough just isn't good enough. God accepts us in grace, absolutely. That's not what I'm talking about. He, he calls us into this family and he loves us no matter what. But he also expects us then to be pursuing kingdom relationships with each other within his family. And we can't be content until we're loving each other the way that God loves us. And that will be a lifelong journey, people. We will continually be learning to love each other until the day we die. And so this morning, I want to invite you to do one thing for me. If you put your outline away already, take it out again. Because I want you to look at that survey we just did. Look over that checklist we just walked through and ask yourself this question. Which one of these kingdom relationship characteristics is God asking me to pursue? Where is God saying to you, really in a practical way, you know what, in that area, good enough just isn't good enough anymore. It's time to, to step closer to my standard. It's time to raise those expectations. Because in a few moments, I'm going to invite you to make a specific commitment between you and God. A specific commitment to grow in your relationship with the family of God. You're going to be invited to place God's call up on one of these pegboards as you did last week. Right, last week, all these orange dots, like we said, you were invited to, to let God move in your heart and say, who is it that I'm laying on your heart? To tell a story about me too. To have that spiritual conversation. And so many of you put a name up here. Well, this morning, there's red dots at the end of your, of your benches. And you're going to put a red circle up there. Of what God is asking you to do within this community. Of where, of where he wants you to raise that standard of love for each other. I don't know what it will be for you. I don't know what you're going to write on that. If God's going to ask you to write anything. Maybe your circle will have the name or initials of somebody in this community. That maybe for weeks or months or years you've been avoiding. Maybe you're holding a grudge. Maybe you're nursing an offense. Maybe you've been stoking bitterness for a long time. And God is saying enough. Enough of that within my family. There's no place for that. And maybe with those initials or those, that name up here, over the next week or month, God's going to say, I want you to make a phone call. And I want you to, to start building that bridge. It will be a difficult conversation, yes. But that's what we do in the family of God. Or maybe there will be initials or name of somebody that God is saying to you, God's placing their name on your heart right now as someone for you to encourage and maybe it will simply be, yes, I'm going to commit to writing an encouraging note. Or maybe I'm going to commit to writing an encouraging note and pray for them for the next six months. Maybe there's an encouragement that God wants you to connect with somebody on. Maybe your circle will say life group on it. Because you realize that you have been separated from this community. Just kind of ducking in and ducking out on Sunday mornings long enough. And it's time for you to, to build a community in a small group. 
And it's time to say yes, because you know that that's a place where you will truly be known and you will know and you'll be challenged and encouraged and loved inside the family of God and in your walk with God. And so maybe it's simply saying, it's time for me to be a part of a group like that because I know it's what I need to do. Maybe you'll have a ministry opportunity that you're going to write on it. Because you're going to get involved in a ministry, not just to serve someone, but, but to partner with somebody else and, and build a relationship. You'll serve at Family Promise because you know you're going to serve that meal with somebody else and you're going to intentionally get to know that person and build a relationship with someone you don't know. Maybe, how about this? Maybe God's leading you to write the words five minutes on that red dot. Because you're going to commit to five minutes after every morning service that you're here. The first five minutes you're going to give to somebody that you don't know. The first five minutes in that narthex, you're going to give to somebody who's standing by themselves, who needs a friend. Because your friends will still be there five minutes later. You can go talk to them then. But for that first five minutes, you're going to build a relationship with someone who needs a relationship. I don't know what God is going to ask you to do. But I want you to be able to look over that list and hear God saying, here's where I want you to raise that standard. Or maybe you're going to look over that list and hear God say, well done. Thank you for loving in the family of God. We just can't become complacent here. Because we can't be satisfied with simply good enough. Good enough isn't good enough. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to lead you in prayer. And we're going to pray specifically that God might lay in your heart and reveal to you one way that he's asking you to build a kingdom relationship right here in this family. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for Ivan Rest Church. I thank you for the people who are loving and caring and encouraging, who are serving. I see a beautiful community again and again and again. And I am so grateful to you for this family. And Father, I trust that you smile too when you see Ivan Rest Church, when you see us interacting with each other. And yet I know also that you have higher hopes for us. You have set your standards high because you know that, that it's when we love each other that we will find true life and true living and true joy in you. And so gently, please, Father, reveal to each one of us and reveal to us as a community this morning where you're calling us to take the next step. Where you're asking us to step forward in faith. To grow closer to the standard that you set. And to experience being the family of God more and more. Thank you for loving us, Father. Thank you for refusing, us to, allow, refusing to allow us to stay complacent, but always encouraging us to become more of who you've asked us to be. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. We're going to take our offering this morning. Our offerings go for the ministries of Ivan Rest Church here. And while we take our offering, at the end of all of your benches is a little bag with little red circles. And I want to invite